Well, thank you for joining me in this special broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. At the moment, we are in Kalabu in western Zambia. We've just had uh, about six, seven meetings with the leaders and with people from different congregations coming together. Man, it was just awesome. We saw some miracles. We saw many people getting saved. We saw people um, getting healed. There was a lady, a young girl, that got healed. Uh, she was born deaf. I think she must be about 16, 18 years of age. And last night was the first time that she ever heard a sound. And today already she started to speak. People would teach her words and she could start to speak. It's just awesome to know that. We baptized uh, 22 people uh, this morning. It, it was just awesome. I, man, I love this area. What a blessing to be here. We started to do mission work here in 1997 when we had a crusade. And out of that crusade, this church was planted. And it is just growing. As I was here, I just felt that the Lord is laying upon my heart to come here more often. I'm planning to come back in August, if possible. And uh, if we can do it that way, it would just be awesome. Bringing Eliana with teaching the leaders further concerning the message of grace. Man, and the way they grabbed the message of grace was just awesome. The way they just said, man, this message of love is what will, um, will make us love people more. This message of love feel, uh, makes us feel accepted. This message of love is what will keep people coming to church. Uh, not that they say the vision is to get people to come to church, but they realized that it was the law that was chasing people away. Man, that is awesome. So if you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, uh, we just want to welcome you. Enjoy this with us. Obviously, this is not a live broadcast. This is pre-recorded because I think for many years you're not going to find uh, broadband internet in this area. <clears throat> Funny to say that they've put a, a, a cell phone tower in this town so people has got telephone communication it's awesome i remember when i came there was no telephones except for the the mission the, the one baptist missionary here had a telephone or you must go to the post office and book a call and phone that way and that was also on and off some days you wouldn't be able even to make a call but now you've got cell phone reception you can phone anytime you want you can have a dial-up internet here uh, it's awesome you can't believe it there's not even proper roads but you can have uh, internet. <clears throat> and, uh, but I think it's going to be quite a while before you're going to get the broadband internet in this area. So this is pre-recorded. I'm so excited to be able to come to you and share this with you right from where we are. I believe that we will bring teams of people here in the times to come, really impacting the lives of people. So just keep your eyes open on um, Crusade Report. We will have a complete report on what happened here. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to read a scripture uh, before we get into the worship. In Matthew chapter 4, and this was where Jesus was tempted. It says there, And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, or get behind me, Satan. For it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Before we get into worship today, uh, I would just like to quote this word here. Jesus said to the, to the devil, You shall only worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And that word worship uh, was uh, interpretation of the scripture of Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. And let's just go there quickly. Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. Uh, let me find it quickly. And this is actually quite astounding to see this. It says there, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall, and shall swear by his name. Now this is what it says, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. 
Now, Jesus comes, he quotes that scripture from Deuteronomy, and he says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him shall you serve. So, uh, Jesus comes, he takes the word fear, and he replaces it with the word worship. So, worship, and if you go and look at that word worship, uh, that w- and even the word fear, it actually speaks to reverently worship, or to have reverence for. We've never been commanded by God to be afraid of him. The nature of God, I mean, even if God says, be afraid of God, he would actually, and this is a harsh way of saying it, but be wasting his time because it's impossible to fear a person that loves you. You cannot fear God. Uh, it's impossible to be afraid of somebody that just cares for you. It's impossible to be afraid of somebody that puts your, uh, um, who you are first. It's impossible to be afraid of somebody that's number one vision is to serve you and to love you. That is who God is and that's his nature. So to say, well, we must be afraid of God, or for God to say, be afraid of me, uh, is actually a waste of time, for it's impossible. Because as He reveals who He is, fear is driven away. The Bible says, love casts out all fear. And the Bible also says that God is love. So it's impossible to walk in fear when it comes to God. Amen. That is awesome. Well, we're going to go over into worship. And as we go over into worship, just enjoy this. This is the awesome love of God that we're going to sing about. We're going to sing about a God that cares for us. And we do this not out of fear, but out of reverence. We shall worship the Lord your God. The way you worship God, by the way, is not just by singing. It is by simply believing who He is. That's it. It's so, it's, it's so powerful. You know, as I said to the people here, um, you know, repenting from your sins is not what saves you. But what saves you is is what Jesus done on the cross. And if you can just be convinced of that and believe that in your heart, receive it as a gift. That's the way. And we found so many people becoming worshippers of God without even singing. But a worshipper, a follower, somebody who's got reverence for what God has done in receiving what He has freely given to us. And that is awesome. Hallelujah. So, let's go over into worship. Enjoy this worship. I wanna sing a song for you. Oh, oh, for you, I wanna sing a song. And I wanna lift my voice to heaven. And listen to the angels sing along. A song of your faithfulness, a song of your grace, and of your love and kindness to the glory of your name. Everything that's in the Lord 
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are sealed, when striving sinks, my comforter.
Well, isn't worship awesome? It is so good to just worship God and just sing of His unconditional love. I believe that you've enjoyed that. It is wonderful to know that we can broadcast that all over the world. The message of grace, even songs of grace, worship that comes from a grace foundation. I've seen it so many times that when it comes to worship, it's not from a foundation of grace. It's from a foundation of hunger and thirst and all of those things. But what's so wonderful is the moment that you start to know the unconditional love of God, the moment that you start to know who God is, you don't sit with this thing of, I'm hungering for God. You, you don't thirst for God anymore. You become a spring of water. You become that life of God that just is in that situation. Not because you say, well, I must win the, win the lost or I must go out and evangelize. Uh, but because of the life of God that's in you. You know, the reason why we came to Kalabu here is not because there's a scripture in Deuteronomy 28 verse 19 that says, you sh- thou shalt go and win the lost. And if you don't win the lost, you're actually wrong. That is not why we're here. Uh, we are here because of the scripture that is in uh, Romans chapter 5 that says the love of God compels us because we've got this mind, if one died, then all are dead. Amen. So we know that Jesus Christ died for these people. There's a love in our hearts that compels us to go forward and bring the gospel of grace. Man, if you could have just been here to see the life that comes into the eyes of people when they hear that God does not condemn them. Saying, I don't even condemn myself anymore. A preacher saying, asking forgiveness for their people because they've been preaching condemnation. Telling them, from now on you can know that this is a grace-based church. That's awesome. It is something that that, that I haven't seen for many years. It's something that I've, that, that, that actually, you know, you get a lot easily, you can easily get a sinner to accept Jesus and the gospel of grace, or people that's been under the law to accept it. But especially when it comes to leaders, it is so difficult, but these people just grab it with all their hearts, and it blesses me so, so much. Now, um, we're going to go over to James chapter 3. We've been talking about James chapter 1, James chapter 2, uh, we're getting into James chapter 3, and, um, and, and we're going to go chapter 4 and chapter 5, but we'll see where we get into James chapter 3. We are sitting outside in the, I think it's Lihua, um Parks, National Parks Garden, yeah, and behind me is the little harbor, and the sun is setting, beautiful, beautiful Africa sunset, and uh, we just hope the darkness doesn't catch us. So, um, and what I mean by that is not Satan and his kingdom, just the sun setting. And uh, um, so we can see how long we'll make this message. But we're going to just touch on, on, on James chapter 2 quickly. Let's uh, touch on that. I want to read from verse... Oh, where is it? Which speaks about the mercy of God. That if you don't have mercy, then... If, if you don't show mercy, you will not have mercy. Now, can you believe it that I've just lost that scripture? Well, what, what I've realized, and, and as I was reading through the book of James a couple of times when I was here now, even while people were worshipping in the church, I don't understand their language. I was reading through the book of James, and uh, I realized that the book of James was not written, just again, I just realized again, it was not written for the Gentiles. It was written for the Jews from a perspective that says, you must continue your work in the gospel of Jesus. And don't be somebody that says, well, I believe in Jesus, but you work in the law. You work the the law system, and you're not working the grace system. Now, let's just read chapter 2, verse 1 there, and you will see what I say. It says, my brethren, 
Have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. Now these people had it with respect to persons. And then we go to verse 4. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts if you do this? So what, what these people did was they, they kept the, the respecting of persons and the Jewish traditions and, and all of those type of things. They continued with that. Uh, with, and, and then they said they also believe in Jesus. But they lived like Jews. Paul said the same thing to, to Peter when they went and had respect to people. When they showed respect to the Jews and not the Gentiles, Paul was upset. He said, man, you are living like the Gentiles, calling them sinners, not a work doing the work of the gospel. In other words, continuing in the gospel of grace, because the gospel was the message for, uh, um, for the Jews and also for the Gentiles. That's what it was about, salvation for all of man. And if they came and they showed respect to people, respect to the rich, respect to the Jews, they were not walking by the gospel of Jesus Christ anymore. And he was saying that they should be looking into the law of liberty, that they've been set free from the Jewish traditions, they've been set free from the law, they've been set free from, from many wrong things and, uh, uh, and, and, and traditions and laws. And that they should now continue in the gospel of grace. But they, con they didn't continue in the gospel of grace. What they continued in was the law way of doing. And then there was a scripture here. Then I was sure it was 12, but I see it's not, not verse 12. Verse 13, there it is. Uh, let's read 12 and 13. Chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So what he was saying to them, he says, listen, speak as if you're a person that will stand under a law that says, are you in grace or not? That's what he was commanding them. That was the work of the gospel. Are you in the gospel of grace? Or are you not in the gospel of grace? And then he says, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So what he was saying here was to the Jewish people, listen, if you are not in the gospel of grace, if you are in the Jewish tradition, you will be judged without mercy. Because you are not in the message of mercy. You're not in the gospel of mercy. You're in the gospel of the law or the message of the law. You're back on the Jewish thing where there was no mercy. The only way that you will find that God will not have mercy on you is when you are in a place where you've rejected Christ and you're in a place where there is no mercy, which is under the law where you seek righteousness by yourself. That's a merciless system and the mercy of the law was that Jesus would come and if you reject Christ in the law and Jesus in the law which is the weightier part of the law man you will not have mercy the only way that there will be mercy for you is to be part of the gospel of mercy and the gospel of grace and these people were rejecting it they were judging people not according to the gospel of mercy or the good news of Jesus Christ but they were judging people according to the law of Moses and they started to live according to the law of Moses. And they thought that they were very wise because they had all the right steps and right wisdom and do this and do that and then you're going to be saved, then you're going to be blessed and all those type of things. And that doesn't produce peace. That doesn't produce righteousness. And then Paul said, listen man, if you continue with this way, actually rejecting the gospel of grace, you've become a, a, a sinner in the sense not that you are sinning against the law, but that you are sinning against the law of liberty not accepting Jesus Christ and keeping the gospel with partiality. Oh, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. Um, but, but that's just words. But you're never in a place where you experience the love of God for yourself to the point that it can even flow out in your life. Now, the focus here is not to say 
well, if I've not been merciful to John next door and I struggle to forgive him about something, then God's never going to forgive me. That's not the focus of that scripture. The focus of that scripture was going back completely into Jewish things. Now, let's go to chapter uh, 3. Chapter 3. Or um, let's just touch on verse 23 again, then we go into chapter 3. The the scripture says, verse 22, See thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see how, how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now that sounds as if it says, oh, you know, you're only justified if you do things right for God and if you live holy and all of that. The context of this is the work of believing in Jesus. That's the context. If you say, well, I believe in Jesus, but you stay a Jew, uh, and under that, and you think, well, you're a special nation, and, 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 and you're under the Jewish things, you have, you're having faith without works. They were not working the gospel of grace. They were working the, the system of the law. These Jewish people that, that it was writ, written to, or Israel, the twelve tribes that were scattered abroad, they were still going to temples, synagogues, continuing with their old way of doing, still slaughtering animals, doing all those type of things still so under the law that James had to come and use the law to actually show them that they are wrong and they should get back under the system of grace. Okay, we're going to see that in chapter 3 now. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. It was fulfilled when he went and did it. So, the scripture will be fulfilled that you are the righteousness of God. If you come to a place where you say, I believe in what Jesus Christ has done, I therefore do as Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, that I forget those things that were behind me, that was gain unto me, which was, I was born from the right tribe, I did this thing right, I was trained under Gamaliel, I was this and that, a teacher of the law, all those type of things, which, which was gain, I counted dung, I put it behind me, and I, I stretch myself forward, I'm a doer of the work, to know that I'm not righteous by my works, that I'm righteous by what Jesus Christ has done. Hallelujah. That is what he was talking about. So, Abraham was justified by his works. In the same way, in a, in a Christian, as a Christian, if you just say, well, I believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, but you never come to a place where you say, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, and I am a, a practicer or a doer of the message of grace, saying, man, I believe that I'm justified by Jesus Christ and by what He's done for me. I don't have to go and work myself. I don't have to do this thing and do that thing in order to be blessed. I am blessed by what Jesus has done for me. A doer of the grace of God. That's what it is. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean do everything right, every work right. That's not what it says. Because then you're back under the law system. It's actually guarding you against that system. It was to be a doer of the work of grace. And that you can see in chapter 1. We read chapter 1 quickly and then chapter 3. It says here... Um, whosoever looks um, let's go to 23 it says for if anyone be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass now this is somebody that hears and doesn't do the gospel of grace for he beholds himself goes away and straightway forget what manner of man he was these law people looked into the gospel of grace they saw that they were grace people now under the grace they are represented in Jesus Christ but then they go away and they remember that they were uh, 
law people, Moses people again. Abraham people. You know, well, I'm under the covenant of Abraham. The law came under Abraham, you know, and now that's what they saw. They, they saw that, that Abraham was the father and then out of Abraham came Moses and then out of Moses came the law and, and they felt that the law was part of the system. That's what they believed. They still they called the Torah. They believed in the law. And they forgot that they were grace people and saw themselves as law people. When Jesus Christ died, the law man died. He was a man born under the law. And then he lived under the law. He died. Under the law he lived in faith with God. In faith, having faith in God, he died. After he died, the law man died. And the man that lives by the Spirit only was risen. And they looked into the perfect law of liberty. They saw, I am perfectly liberated from everything. All the commandments that I must do. All those type of things. I'm a grace person. Then they went away and forgot what kind of man they were. And they were now law men again. Not doing the work of the gospel. Okay, so let's go to chapter 3. Now it says, My brethren, be not many masters knowing that you shall receive a greater condemnation. Now that masters actually means teachers. Don't be many of you teachers of uh, uh, teachers telling people you should do this to, sell, to, to get saved. You should do that to get saved. Thinking that in the wisdom of your words you're going to just help everybody by your worldly wisdom or by the wisdom that comes from uh, um, knowing the laws and rules and regulations. Ten steps to this and ten steps to that. Then verse 2. Um, now that word, just the end of verse 1 there, for they shall receive a stricter condemnation. They will be judged more harshly, not by God, but by, um, by people. That's the way it is. The highest trees catches the most wind. That's the way it is. If you want to stand in front and you want to preach, you're gonna, your wisdom must work. You go, they're going to look at you. If you say this, then you must live it. If you can't live it, they're going to judge you much more harshly than what they will judge some of the just in the congregation or a normal person. Right, for in many things we offend all. Now what he's saying, we all make mistakes. All. He, he included himself. He said we all make mistakes. He says, if any man offend not in word, the same is perfect man and able also to bridle, uh, bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths and they, that they may obey us. And we turn about the, their whole body. Behold, also the ships which, uh, which, though they be so great, are driven by fierce winds, yet are turned about with a very small helm, wheresoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it, sets on, it is set on fire of hell. So what he's saying here is that the tongue of a man, man's wisdom, what, what man can, the wisdom that comes just out of man's ability is actually devilish. It's not from God. And you can read that in the end of uh, chapter 3 in verse 7. It says the wisdom that is, oh, uh, sorry, verse 13. Can you believe it? Hmm. Verse 15. The wisdom that descends not from above, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. So what he says is the wisdom of this normal world. You people think you are teachers, thinking that you can just lead people the right way by teaching the law and all those type of things. He's talking to the Jewish nation here. Um, the Israel saying to them you people think all these things let me tell you that wisdom that you think you've got that is so wise by the law 
It's actually devilish. It's not from God. That's what he said. It's, it's your tongue, if you by your own power want to go, is set like by the fires of hell. Amen. Now, verse 7. For every kind of beast and every bird and every serpent and all things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So what he's saying, man, your, by your ability, you will never have the power by your tongue and wisdom saying what you must do right and how you should do it. You'll never be able to get the thing right. Your tongue is not wise enough to get you saved. Because these people were boasting in their own wisdom, you know, like some of the writings of Solomon, do this and do that and do this and do that, then you'll be saved, then you'll be blessed. That's where it comes from. Right, verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame, and it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, listen to this, even the Father, and therewith we curse man, which are made after the similitude of God. These guys would go and they would bless God with their tongue. Oh God, thank you that we are so wonderful. We are your nation. We are this, we are that. And then they will curse the, 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 the heathen. They will curse the Gentiles. Say, oh, these, they, they, they're like, they're dogs. Because with the same tongue, they will worship God and curse what God has made. That's what God also said to Peter. He said, don't call cursed what I've blessed. He blessed the people. He called, called them holy. And Peter called it unholy. Don't call unholy what I call holy. But according to the law, it was unholy. So with a tongue, he was worshipping God, but he was also calling the things that God now, the New Testament, call holy, unholy. That's the context of that. Okay, therewith we bless, uh, bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. In other words, you, uh, the one, one moment you will say, no, we are blessed because we've done all these things right. And the moment you do something wrong, then a, a curse is pronounced. And that's the law. The law, in, in, in the, the one part is blessing and the other part is cursing. No, the gospel is the curse has been put on Jesus Christ. We are blessed. It's the gospel of how blessed we are in Jesus. The law is, a, is, a, is, a, is a, a word that is out of the same mouth. It's blessings and cursings. Now, listen to verse 11. It says, Does not a fountain send forth at the same place sweet? It says, Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet and bitter? No way. It's a question mark. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either the vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. That's what it says. So what he... This is, this is actually so, so awesome. What he's saying here is that exactly what Jesus was saying. He said to the people, How can you that are evil speak good things? For the tree is known by its fruit. He said, How do you get it right to be evil and then speak good things? It's impossible. You cannot do it. It's not the way God operates. It's not God's system of doing is not what God has got for us. What, what, what He says is that I'll make you holy and then you live holy. But these guys got it right to speak good and evil, being evil. And this is what He's telling these people. He says to them, listen, if you come by your own power, your own wisdom, being, wanting to be a teacher of the law things, listen, you're going to have a stricter judgment, you're going to struggle, you're not going to be blessed because your tongue is not going to say all the right things. You're going to then bless this, per this person. You're going to curse that person. You're going, to, you're going to have sweet words and you're going to have bad words. Not talking about talking, saying wrong things in the sense of saying a swear word. 
speaking the wrong doctrine. That's how I see this. Right. Let's read verse 10. It says there, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So here he says, it's impossible to tame the tongue. It's impossible. You cannot do it. Then he says, it's not supposed to be so. So he's saying it is impossible to tame the tongue. But then he says, it's not supposed to be like that. Because when we're under the message of grace, we will find life flowing out of us. But like Paul said, when I was under the law, I wanted to do good, but I couldn't do good. I wanted to do righteous things, but I couldn't do righteous things. I, I would say good things, and then I will do something wrong over here again. And that's what James actually was telling these people. He says, listen, you want to come with your own wisdom, you're going to fall, you're going to do things wrong, this is not going to produce the right thing inside you, you're going to be evil and speak good things. And then the one day you're going to worship God and then you're going to say, look at this sinner, according to Matthew 18, uh, where the man was worshipping God and then say, oh God, thank you that I'm so righteous, but then not like this evil sinner here next to me. And that is the wisdom of this world. That is the wisdom that comes just out of laws, rules and regulations, man's way of trying by what he does to be blessed by God and to be wise enough to reach salvation. Let's go to verse 13. Who is a wise man? and endued with knowledge among you. Let him show, out of a good conversation, his good works with meekness of wisdom. So here he comes and he says, listen, if you're a wise man, now he's talking about the right wisdom here. The right wisdom is, somebody that's in the wisdom of God, according to 1 Corinthians 1, 21, I think it is, that says, Jesus Christ has made the wisdom of God for us. If you're a wise man, if you are somebody that is in the right wisdom, let him, um, and endued with knowledge. Now, Knowledge is not knowledge of the law. It's the true knowledge about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let him show out of a good conversation or a good life his works with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom, um, if you're going to study out meekness and, and, and uh, humbleness, it is actually agreeing. Meekness of wisdom meaning to be wise enough to agree with what Jesus Christ says. So, he's saying if you've got true wisdom, go and have the life that comes out of being in Jesus Christ. Being in Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God unto us. The wisdom of God unto us is what Jesus done on our behalf. The wisdom of God, the true wisdom that is not devilish but from God is this wisdom. Believe on Jesus and you are made righteous. You receive the Holy Spirit. You've got the life of God inside you and you can live a life of peace out of who God is for God lives in you. That's the wisdom of God. He says, then go and, and show this conversation with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom means that meekness that's inside a man that comes when you are in the wisdom of God, knowing that you agree with God all the time. When you're really a meek person is when you say, man, I agree with God. It's not by my wisdom. It's not by my power. It's not by what I must do. But I agree with God. By agreeing what, with what God has says, go and show the life that flows out of that. That's a true man of wisdom. And this was the way James was actually correcting the, 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 the Israel, Israelites that were scattered. Because they want to go back to the wisdom of the law. Then it says in verse 14, But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. These people had bitter envy, strife in their hearts. They were fighting against each other. 
in competition as a as a um, how can I say as a result of being under the law. You know, when you're under the law, you're in a competition all the time, and that's what's so nice. I want to just testify out of my own life because I'm in the grace of God, because of what God has done for me. I'm in competition with no preacher. And I can say it truly from the depth of my being. If another person comes and he preaches the gospel here, I don't care. Hallelujah. As long as what I can just preach this good news. Amen. Another person is a million times more successful in what he does and has got big crowds, uh, uh, more miracles, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not in competition with him. And that can only come out of godly wisdom. It can only come out of uh, the, uh, a result of the grace of God. Amen. So here he says, But if you have bitter envy, or the fruit of being under the law, glory not and lie against the truth. For they were saying, well, we were in the... You, they were also proclaiming Jesus Christ, saying, well, we believe in Jesus. But their works was that of the law. They were living in the law. They were judging people in the law. It was just a law thing from the beginning to the end. And that's not the way we're supposed to live. You know, we should give ourselves completely to the gospel of grace. Verse 15 talks about this strife and the wisdom that's producing competition and bitter envy and all those type of things. It says, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual and devilish. That's what he said to the Pharisees. He says, listen, you do all these things, you think you're so wise, um, you pay tithes of every little spice somebody gives to you. He says, but uh, man, you're born from the devil. The wisdom that says, by what you do, you are blessed, by what you do, you are prosperous, that type of wisdom is not godly, but devilish, sensual. That's what it's all about. Adam tried to be part of that, that wisdom. That was the wisdom of Satan in the beginning. Satan's wisdom was, know what's right and wrong. He says, listen, eat of this tree of knowledge and good and evil, and you'll be like God. That's it. And then they, th these guys, they love to say, well, look at this wise crack I've got. You know, that's the thing in the beginning. Teaching people, this is the way. This is my wisdom on how to, to, to get true salvation. And this is my wisdom unto this. And this is my wisdom unto that. This is the, what I think you must do in order to be blessed. Satan had that. He said, listen, the wisdom that you need is to know what is right and wrong. Do the right thing and you'll be blessed. That's what he said. And that is devilish wisdom. And what it produces is envy strife in your heart. Verse 16, For where envy strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Yeah. Most of the fights that's in churches is, is there's two, two reasons why I believe there's fights in churches, fights amongst people when it comes to the gospel. They fight because they resist the gospel of grace and persecute people, and that's what the Bible call, calls to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because you're preaching the gospel of be righteous because of Jesus, not our works, you're persecuted by law people. That can be the one. And the other one is law people fighting amongst themselves all the time. Just because of envy, because of all those type of things that's produced out of the law. Now it says in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above. In other words, what is the wisdom that is from above? Jesus Christ became the wisdom of God unto us. What's this wisdom that's from above? It is like I've said just now. Jesus Christ became a human being, represented me and you, obeyed on our behalf, died on our behalf, was resurrected on our behalf. You see that the right hand of the Father in human flesh today that is glorified, representing you and me, making us righteous, holy, like God forevermore, that whosoever believes this enters into that righteousness as a gift. That's the wisdom that's from above. That wisdom 
is first, what does it produce? That it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Men, easy to be entreated. Hallelujah. Full of mercy and good fruits. There comes fruits in your works. Full of good fruits. Without partiality, without hypocrisy. It talks about partiality. Saying, oh well, you know, the Jewish people is better than this and, and, and we are high above the Gentiles and all those type of things. Coming back to that point, bringing it back, uh, uh, connecting it to verse 1 where it says, you are um, keeping the faith with partiality, you're keeping the faith with respect to persons. This is not with respect to persons, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Jesus, uh, and Paul called Peter a hypocrite because he was doing the same thing that James was now uh, rebuking the people for. And, the, and I want to just add something here. The same thing James was doing when he was in, um, in Jerusalem. It seems to me as if he has come to his senses and started to preach the gospel of grace the way it's supposed to be, even correcting his brethren down now. And then verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of being righteous, is lived in peace. Not in all these fights and all of that. Why? Because we're in the gospel of grace. To them that go and make peace. Peacemakers, not between men, but between men and God. Saying there's peace between you and God. Hallelujah. Now that was James chapter 3, right from verse 1 down to verse 18. Man, that is awesome. That's just something that you must go and read through again, something you must go and study out for yourself. Get this from the archive. Listen through this again. Go and study it out of the Word of God. Let me tell you, I'm so glad that I've started to do this thing and just get the book of James interpreted into good news. When we get into chapter 4, we can just see more of this wonderful, wonderful things as we start to get the perspective of this whole thing. Hallelujah. Well, thank you that you've joined me in Web Church today. We've got a bit shorter message because the sun is setting. We're going to take some beautiful pictures of the sunset as well. And um, the sun is setting. It's going to become dark. We're not going to have enough light to do this broadcast further. So, thank you that you've joined me. Know this, and I want to end, off, end it off this way. Know this, that God loves you unconditionally. That there's no part in the good news, there's no part in the New Testament that is not 100% grace. If you'd never understood the book of James and you just said, well, the Bible says that we must have works as well, connecting works to the works of the law and not works to the works of the work of being in the grace of God, you would have been so condemned. If a scripture ever condemns you, listen, say to God, God, please help me to understand that. I don't understand this now. It looks like law. It looks like condemnation. But I'm just going to read through it, memorize it, know it, continue and in future I will read another scripture I'll get a deep understanding of what Jesus done of the background of why the book was written all those type of things and then you really understand and then we'll bless you Amen the book of James is just a confirmation of the grace of God Hallelujah and James used the law to explain to these people actually how sinful they are they explained to them how unruly their tongue is unable to be tamed so don't think that by your tongue you can do it that's what he said he said, just go and know that it, the only way you can do this is by having the right wisdom. And what was the right wisdom? The right wisdom was Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So go and do that. Study it that way. So uh, we're also going to have a, a, a meeting right after this service on Web Church. I am home. So by the time we broadcast this, I'll be home already. So uh, um, 
you can, don't think that I'm still in Kalabu, this is a, like pre-recorded, uh, you can just slot in, we can just have a nice discussion after this about this book of James. I'm so, so, so excited about this. Thank you that you've joined me. God loves you and God bless you. Or, well, I want to just pray for you. Those people that are sick, I just feel the, the presence of the Lord. I want to pray for the sick. Every person that is sick, let's just pray together. Put your hand where your sickness is right now. I'm going to stretch forth my hand to the camera and we're going to pray in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person that's been watching. I thank you for every person that has slotted in. I thank you, my God, they will be blessed by this message and that they are blessed by this. I also bring healing to them in Jesus' name. I bring healing to every backache. I bring healing to every headache. I bring healing to cancer. Every part of every person that is sick on the foundation of the faith of God and by the faith of God, I come and I say, be healed now. Mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Be gone forevermore. Be healed now in Jesus' mighty name forevermore. Hallelujah. Just receive your healing in this sense by knowing that Jesus Christ has received it on your behalf. It is yours and that you can't run away from it. It manifests right now in your body. Amen. Thank you that you've joined me and God bless you.